From Washington, this is Political Theater, Roll Call's review of the spectacle of politics on Capitol Hill and across the country. I'm Jason Dick. The Final Year, director Greg Barker's documentary about a year in the life of the Obama administration's foreign policy team, opens this Friday in theaters. We have about as full of an agenda as any administration has ever had. Each of us brings something to the table, informed by our history, by our experience, by our background. I'm always feeling a sense of urgency to try to get as much done as possible. You're sitting here and you're realizing the stakes. The movie traces 2016 through the eyes of Secretary of State John Kerry, who let off the series of voices from the teaser we just played, as well as U.N. Ambassador Samantha Power, National Security Advisor Susan Rice, Deputy National Security Advisor Ben Rhodes, and, of course, President Barack Obama. Here at Political Theater, I spoke with Barker and Rhodes recently, and they recounted, in a fairly leisurely conversation over morning coffee, their experiences making this film. Greg Barker, Ben Rhodes, thanks for joining us on Political Theater. Um, let's talk a little bit about genesis of the film. I mean, obviously, this is a very involved project. It's HBO. It's it's an out. It's a year long, you know, kind of reporting on on a White House in the middle of a tumultuous year. Uh, Greg, how did you get involved with the project? What was the you know your entry point to it? I mean, I had this idea. Was it possible to make this film like a campaign film, but in reverse about the Obama? team, foreign policy team, as they, as they went through the last year. And I sort of had this hunch that, you know, historically things tend to happen in the last year of a presidency, particularly two-term presidency, particularly internationally. And I had known Samantha Power from some years ago. I'd met Ben previously and went to see them and pitched this idea. And, um, and I really was interested in the kind of the humanity behind, you know, the kind of inside the halls of power. And I don't know, I think there was a, some sort of resonance, at least from individually, and then we had to get the bureaucracy and, you know, to kind of, like, go along. I don't know, what did you... What yeah, did well, you? I mean, you know, Greg knew Samantha, um, so I had a hunch that this was a bit pre-cooked. Because uh, <laughs> um, by the time Greg came to me, like, clearly Samantha was on board with the project. Mm-hmm. I was just like, there's no way, I don't know how we can do this. Um, mm-hmm. Greg was describing it to me, it sounded interesting, but I just didn't know how we could logistically pull it off. Um, and I a lot of equipment, a lot of security, yeah, a lot of flights across well, the oceans. The the main thing from for us was, which took us a while to figure out, is they couldn't be in most of the like they couldn't be in a situation or meeting prints classified. What we figured out is a couple things. One, just logistically. You'll notice that they're on a lot of foreign trips. That was actually easier, you know, because you're moving around. You're not in this cramped, you know, White House space. We then also figured out how to, you know, they, they had a pretty light footprint. Um, so they could be in the West Wing in a way that, you know, you know, a network TV crew couldn't because it was guys with kind of handheld cameras. And um, But what I came to realize over the course of the year is, you know, I did a lot of press in government and... I do all these press briefings that I prepare a lot for, and they seem really important. But you start to realize, particularly in the eighth year, how ephemeral that is. You know, nobody is going to ever watch you know my June twenty sixth briefing in the White House briefing room. But I started to realize, wait a second, this film is actually going to be an object that you know people can look at a year from now, five years from now. And so suddenly it started to feel more important to me. Like, well, let's actually give these guys access because I could tell I didn't know what their angle was, but that they were. They're really trying to figure something out, tell a story. 
So to me, the value of the project became more apparent as the year went on. And I think if you watch the film, you notice Sam is kind of all in at the beginning, <laughs> um, whereas there's a kind of more and more access to the White House over the course of the year because we kind of decided, you know what, like as we're getting closer to the end, it's more important to kind of record what we were doing and what this was like. Yeah, and I wasn't trying to like make the definitive account of Obama's foreign policy and, you know, and I knew obviously the stuff that's classified, but what's not classified and where I was my interest line and the human emotions. You know, what's it like to be inside and do, do these jobs with all the ups and downs and, you know, during what turned out to be a pretty tumultuous year. So I think, you know, once it kind of became clear what we, that we weren't really interested in what the, the Daily Press Corps was interested, that's just not our job. Um, it just became kind of, I don't know, sometimes it can almost be a relief for people who are in these kinds of jobs to like talk about things that they're not being asked about every day that's more kind of more emotional, what's it actually like right now. And, Knowing that it's not going to come out for you know a year or so or, or more after that, it's, 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 so you know it's like in documentary film, it's usually all about access and trust. Um, it doesn't mean they have control, but trust in terms of you know what I would always say that these films are like a leap of faith, you know. And if it's if you're not sort of open and authentic, you know the audience can tell, and in fact we can't even use the footage because it never works. So you got to just be true and uh, true yourself, and uh, and the camera picks up on that, and then people are. You know, this is a movie. This is not like a front line, which I used to make. It's more like a, you know, an experiential film of inside these jobs. And so it inhabits this kind of emotional space, and that's where, we're, that's where the film is strongest. And of course, then it turns into be a, a pretty uh, unexpected you know, year. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, and I, you, you talk about this humanity. I mean, and and I, I was struck by that sort of right off the bat, I mean, partially because... Uh, you know, I was almost late for this uh, because the metro kept on going in yeah. fits and starts, and and I slept in a little bit late uh, this morning. Um, you have, you know, you have you taking your daughter, I guess, to daycare. It yeah. looked like, and you have uh, Samantha, um, you know, kind of going over her, you know, her son's like, you know, grammar lessons and so forth. And at the, even at the end, you know, you have like people doing this very human thing and packing up their their belongings. Uh, a bunch of speeches that you'll never read again, right? Yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, uh, Samantha has her kids' drawings in mm. the, in the thing, and and it is was that a a deliberate choice from the outset that you wanted to show? I mean, yes, we're talking about high, very big things. We're talking about like trying to reorder the way people think about foreign policy in the United States and in the world. But we're also going to show that. Um, people are, are like there's the, what was the scene where the, she puts the broccoli yeah, yeah. in the yeah. planter broccoli, broccoli <laughs> the in the plant. yeah yeah I mean that was a conscious of course I mean that's that, those kinds of scenes are the heart of documentary filmmaking uh -huh. I mean it's all about the of course on a deeper level yeah it's about recalibrating American foreign policy all that kind of stuff but that's all very dry um, and uh, and for a film to kind of really resonate with wide audiences you got to relate to characters I mean mm -hmm. and so and you know all of us have complicated sort of lives mixing personal and professional. So, you know, I wanted to kind of give a sense that, that these complicated policy issues are in fact being grappled with and decided on by ordinary people who have kids and go to work and are harassed at times and just kind of like, you know, frazzled from all the work they've got to deal with. It just kind of, you know, it just, it just humanizes things. I felt that from the very, very outset. And, you know, and again, that's like uh, what I, the term I used before, this leap of faith. I mean, to have someone's, you know, child on camera is, you know, a very personal decision, and, and I totally get that. So, um, and sometimes people say no, and but in this case, people, they, they, Ben and Samantha agreed to do that, and I was grateful for that, because I think it actually just, it humanizes the, 
what is often a very opaque, distant kind of process. We're used to seeing these people as talking heads, you know, on the show, on TV and reading about them in the paper. And it's all very sort of, there's just a certain tone and style to that, which is all fine, but that's not what works in a, in a, in a movie. Then you, you talked about how, you know, in, you know, maybe around several months into it, you realize that this is a, this is a historical marker you're, you're, you're going for. And, um, the this you know must was this a point where you were thinking oh I I I want to start you know kind of really kind of diving into this because I I, I the staff is so different than like the public yeah. figures I mean people like even people like John Kerry yeah. you know his, he's had the spotlight on him for his entire adult life uh, the president obviously is yeah. aware that anytime he steps outside and there's sunlight he has a camera yeah. on him. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, for for you though, I mean, like, yeah. was that a moment where you're like, uh, "Whoa!" I mean, this is interesting. There were there were two things, two very specific things that kind of set off a light in my head. One is I was actually frustrating Greg because I wasn't giving him a lot. It's lot hard of to imagine that being yeah, yeah. over the press corps. Uh, yeah, well, you know, yeah, you're, you're standoffish because you know by by kind of default. But we were uh, Greg came to Laos. Um, and there's a bit in the film on this, but mm-hmm. um, and part of what you don't see, by the way, is you know Greg has dozens of hours of film. But so we were in Laos, which to me was a pretty powerful thing to do because you know there are millions of unexploded U.S. ordnance, and um, I feel like we as a country never really wrestled with the fact that we just littered this small country with bombs. And to me, it also showed the kind of tragic consequences, unforeseen consequences of of using military force. In my mind, um, by year eight, when you're kind of looking back at lessons, there were some very clear parallels on the debates about Syria and other things, and the work that I was doing coincidentally in places like Vietnam and Laos, and and even planning this trip to Hiroshima, um, these kind of big issues of war and peace. Greg and I actually had a conversation in the airport in Bangkok as we were transferring to Burma. Uh, where I, I realized it, as Greg just said, like, I was frustrated in some respects that, you know, we, we had this trip, for instance, with President Obama where we went to Vietnam and then Hiroshima. I'm like, wow, this is, someone could write a book about this trip. A lot of reconciliation. Yeah, a lot is going on here. But in the day-to-day, and, I'm, and I mean this sympathetically, you know, if the political press corps that travels with him is not going to do that. Like, they're going to write about you know, what's going on back home. And I realized that if I want, you know, someone to understand what we're doing here, which was really trying to wrestle with, spotlight these issues of war and peace, you know, I have to trust people to tell that story and let them tell that story. And so we, you know, we let Greg, you know, into a lot of that type of space around decisions about military force. Um, so that was one thing, is realizing that, that, that a documentary filmmaker can tell a broader story can raise themes that, that you know, even the best daily journalists you know, just can't, don't have the luxury to do. The second thing that's interesting, and this kind of is in the film, obviously, is that you know, I got a little burned by access uh, on the profile of me. This is the New York Times The New York magazine. Times magazine. Yeah. And, and you know, look, that happens in life. It happens as a public figure. I get it. Um, but I thought you know, there's two ways to deal with that. One is to say, I'm going to recoil and never talk to anybody again. You know? And I got burned, and now I learned my lesson. I'm going to become a kind of programmed script. I'm just going to be more scripted the next time. And, 
And I and I, I really was like, well, you know, if I don't like how, you know, I'm actually going to give somebody more access, you know. Mm -hmm. I, I, I feel like I'm not this cartoon character. I'm I'm not perfect, but I'm a three-dimensional human being. And, and uh, uh, if I have a grievance that I'm being portrayed as a one-dimensional um, kind of, you know, machine spin guy, uh, you know, then if I don't like that, I have to you know, let other people in um, and be more honest, frankly, and, and more open. Um, and so that all kind of played out over the course of the spring and summer, which is when I think, you know, we really took a leap of faith with, with Greg from the White House perspective. Greg, you know, the, there's, there's one aspect of being surrounded by power. I mean, it's, I mean it, it's sort of humbling to be in front of a president or a senator and so forth. I mean, I still get sort of a thrill when I go to Capitol Hill and uh, the White House is obviously a different uh, thing, although it was great to, to hear you talk about, you know, just the same reaction everybody has been that it's a small, uh, <laughs> it's yeah, a small, yeah. and there are rats. Uh, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and roaches. Uh, um, but there's another aspect to this, too, which is that the, most of your subjects, Ben, Samantha, the president, these are all writers, too. They're all creative people. Did that provide another level of, like, I really better have all this down right because I mean this is these these people have all written you know some some pretty memorable things I mean like and also different I mean is is that did that enter it your didn't mind actually I, honestly it didn't cross my mind now that you say it I probably should have should have yeah. <laughs> but no I mean I, I think uh, I mean I'm really interested to read the memoirs that have come out because mm -hmm. you know from the present on down these are really you know great writers I mean mm -hmm. he's I Teddy Roosevelt maybe it's like one of the best writers ever to hold that office and mm -hmm. what he's going to do with his memoirs. I think everyone's really interested in that. But no, I mean, I think, you know, those, those kind of reflective books, I would say that that kind of reflective writing, they, they wouldn't have really had time to do at, at that while we were filming. I, I mean, frankly, just on a personal level, I was kind of amazed that, you know, they're writing these speeches, which turn out to be incredibly eloquent, like the Hiroshima speech, which... Mm -hmm you know, is, I think, a historic kind of like, you know, reckoning of the nature of, of, of war and its place in human, the human condition. I mean, and, and how that's written on the fly, you know, in a hotel room late at night and notes coming back from the president. I mean, given everything they have to deal with and then step back and to think so reflectively, I've just on a personal level kind of like was amazed that they can do that. And I, I don't know if you're just driven by by adrenaline and caffeine to kind of like yes to, to do all <laughs> at least from my end yeah. speaking from only for myself it is quite extraordinary well, what, what Greg did that was interesting that I do, I do think gets to your question though is that with Obama you know he he made this choice we didn't do any sit down interviews with Obama you kind of catch him coming off the stage you know which is actually a good time to get him because he's mm -hmm. his mind is a little opened up and um, but I thought that the interviews with Obama were pretty revealing I mean I um, you know obviously he's like you said, he's used to the spotlight on him. He's not ever going to totally let his guard down. But particularly the last interview, when he's kind of reflecting on the, the zigzag of history. Yeah, I, I just yeah. thought that um, being at the Parthenon. And well, that that yeah. that's that exactly that that's what I was thinking of when you said writer. You know, like he mm, he right. is thinking about you know some presidents could go do the cultural stop, you know, the tour of the Acropolis and not really think about it. You know, and it looks pretty. But like Obama is like connecting that to his lived day-to-day -day experience. I, I thought that, uh, I thought the end was incredibly powerful, that, that, which was Greg's decision to kind of juxtapose the ancient with the young people. Um, but he does get, I, I really think, you know, Obama is revealing in this film 
in an interesting way. One of the things that I appreciated about him working up close with him is that he does have a ton of perspective. Like he, he doesn't get too immersed in the daily muck of Washington, you know, which, which our current president you know, does. Um, he's thinking about what we're doing and how it fits into history and how it connects to historical trends and how, you know, what we can learn from you know, other events. And that is a bit of a writerly view of the world that Obama kind of carried around with him. And frankly, this is why I think it wasn't you know, that out of you know, the running lane to suddenly write a reflective speech about the meaning of war for Hiroshima, mm -hmm. because he's, that, 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 that loop is running in his head, Obama's head, during the presidency. Yeah, and actually, that's, that's right. I remember at some point realizing just the, the emphasis, you know, he was thinking of what our national story is and what the yeah. story is. Not like, what's the spin, but what's the story? That's right. how we all... As humans understand how are people going to view this in a few hundred yeah. years? Yeah, yeah, but just like yeah. what what's what are we actually what are we about? This partly it's a story of at one point he says America has a great story to tell. This goes back to the Declaration of Independence. This comes out of a question about how do you be a good leader? Mm -hmm. It's really interesting. And then then Hiroshima becomes this meditation on the story of of war and conflict in in in, in human history. It's really kind of framing um, these sort of day to day issues in this larger picture, which I think. Obviously, as a storyteller myself, it's kind of like it's really it's almost it's a gift in terms mm -hmm. of putting a, a film together because there's people who are thinking of of a, of a narrative arc kind of in their own work, and that obviously makes it kind of easier to mesh into you know what I'm then going to construct in the cutting room. I think that's a great place to stop. Yeah, great. Thank you. Thank yeah. you. Thank you. That's going to do it for this week in political theater. Don't forget, the final year opens in theaters on Friday. I'm Jason Dick. Thank you for joining us. And you can subscribe to this podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, and on NPR One. And please rate us on iTunes. For more on this and other stories, visit RollCall.com or find us on Twitter at CQNow or at RollCall. Call.